watching my fellow Americans with your host Spike Cohen. Yes. Yes, it's me. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Keep clapping. Clap for the miracle. Clap for the ponies. Clap for this campaign. How would we know that you wanted ponies if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am Literally, Spike Cohen. Guys, I am so happy to have you on this on uh, this episode for this very special Mortgage Interest Deduction Jam edition of My Fellow Americans. In a few moments, we will have two men come on and fight in a no-holds-barred, to-the-death, cage-match, Oxford-style debate that no one is prepared for, least of all myself. This is a Muddied Waters Media production. As always, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float. Check us out on iHeartRadio, Spotify, everywhere. Anywhere that you could think of someone being on the internet, check us out there because we are there. Uh, When this program is over, uh, find us on all of these platforms. Like us on all of them. Follow us on all of them. Five-star us or ten-star us on all of them. And hit that bell if applicable. I think only on YouTube. Uh, And be sure to share this video right now. The last thing that any of us wants is for your closest loved ones to miss out on an hour-long libertarian broadcast on a Wednesday night. Be sure to give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This program, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Dad Bod Calendar, featuring sexy libertarian men like this man right here, Spike Cohen, Mr. April, the sweet summer boy, featuring many of your other of your favorite sexy libertarian men. Be sure to, to get this calendar today. It's only $12 on libertariandadbod.com. You, of course, want to be able to hang this from your fridge or wherever you would hang sexy libertarian men from in your home. LibertarianDadBot.com. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest-growing Waffle House-related caucus in the Libertarian Party. Check us out. We are growing each and every day. This episode, of course, is also brought to you by the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign We are the current frontrunners for the Libertarian Party nomination because, of course, we are. And with your support, together, we will ride our ponies into a zombie-powered future with cheesy bread and badgers for all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. And, of course, the intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That is J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out. On Facebook, SoundCloud, go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like 25 bucks. You'll love it. Thank you, Mr. Joe Davi. I'd like to thank Kroger for this delicious purified drinking water that I drink on this and every episode of my fellow Americans, Blue Vinaka. Mm. You can taste the purity in that. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Shout out to Taron Turks' mom and him as always, guys. This, of course, is a special episode. Tonight is a very special night. And by that, I mean that we're about to have bloodshed on the very streets that our children play on. Two libertarian men are about to battle it out in a brutal war of attrition that threatens to rend asunder everything we hold dear, all to answer once and for all the question that keeps us awake at night. Are mortgage interest deductions a good thing or a bad thing? Who's going to win? Well, that's up to you to decide. At the end of this debate, comment with the name of who you thought won, And we will tally that and release the results tomorrow night. So then, let's get started right now. Nope. There we go. Our first debater is a freedom fighter based out of Kentucky who was involved with the election of Savannah Maddox and the passage of constitutional carry. In his spare time, he enjoys walks on the beach and horse racing. He is 
T.J. Roberts. Our second debater is a regular on My Fellow Americans. He is the creator and administrator of Libertarian Memes for Neoliberal Teens. Despite our great working relationship, he refused to write a bio for me uh, to make this show prep just slightly easier. And so here I am now reading what I wrote about him. He is, of course, Sam Coppinger. And finally, to bear witness to this tragic, senseless violence, is a cartoonishly adorable home for sale. Will someone buy me? I sure hope so. We will be finding out tonight. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for having me on, bud. I'm looking forward to it. So before we get this started, what have you guys been up to? TJ, what's going on with you? Oh, not much right now. Just uh, doing a couple things that uh, aren't exactly ready for public release quite yet. But um, otherwise, just here to defend uh, keeping Okay, cool. And Sam, what's uh, how have you been doing? Uh, I just lost audio for TJ, so you should know that first. But other than that, um, I'm doing swell. Uh, I've just introduced a new era in the evolution of the page, the Libertarian Memes for Neoliberal Teens, that has more diverse content than just the memes themselves. It has sharing articles and other opinions and things like that. And also, more importantly, I've just launched the official merch store, which does not just mean black t-shirts with neoliberal teens written on them in black text. It's designs that that I like, I've spent a lot of time on, and for people of neoliberal or libertarian interests, I think they'll be appealing. It's on Redbubble. And there are currently three designs with more on the way, and they can be gotten on stickers or shirts or lots of other products very good and that's on your facebook page yep okay cool housey what have you been up to well i just been waiting for someone to buy me and i sure hope that happens soon that is the last time i will be doing that by the way thank you uh (laughs) good well guys uh tj i just want to check your audio real quick because we did lose you for a second oh good (laughs) (laughs) all right so we will we will try to figure that out And in that, I mean that TJ is not on this call. All right, let me try reaching out to him. And in the meantime, I will get started. Uh, Actually, that's probably not fair because he was not in the call. So we're going to call TJ Roberts. So uh, you were saying, uh, Sam, so that uh, the link to that is in the is on your your page. So if people want to buy neoliberal merch, they'll be able to do that. (laughs) Yeah, it's pinned to the uh, top of the post. It should, or the top of the page. It should be the first post that you see if you navigate to the page. Okay, good. Well, that is good. Well, folks, we're <laughs> having a bit of an issue in that TJ's TJ's computer has bricked. <laughs> I suppose this means I win by default, then. Well, we're about to find out. I may have to. Tell the opposite side of that. But hold on. <laughs> uh, we will see. We may just give your side of this, and then we <laughs> do this for a future. You thing. can, you could play devil's advocate. Yeah, his his computer's bricked up and frozen. <laughs> so, Sam, Sam, you ignorant slut. No. Um. Okay. So. All right, well, let's, here's how we were going to do this, and we'll have to figure out how this was going to work. Uh, here was the rules that I was going to set forth, and what I may do is just let you give your side and do devil's advocate. I think that might work. But uh, So here's where, how we're going to do it now. With our new, new and improved modified rules to the mortgage interest deduction jam that I'm coming with, up with as I read how we were originally going to do it. Uh, first, each of you are going to be given four minutes to give an opening statement. That means that you, Sam, will be giving an opening statement. Uh, next I'm going to ask you, I was going to ask two questions. It's kind of pointless. Now I'm going to ask one question. Uh, you will each be given, you will, you, Sam will be given three minutes to answer. And if you mention my name, I will have a minute to respond. Actually, I'm going to talk whenever I want to. It doesn't really matter. Uh, after that, uh, you will be given a chance to ask me a question. This really makes no sense in this context. Uh, then I'm going to present (laughs) some questions from, uh, followers and commenters, uh, and you will have up to three minutes to answer i'm not really timing this at this point you can answer as much as you want uh and for those of you watching feel free to leave your questions and i will try to get to many as many of them as possible uh and then uh each of you you each of sam uh will be given three minutes to give your closing remarks 
and then our lovely, beautiful, and brilliant viewing audience, who I can totally tell have been working out, will comment whether you have won or Housey has won. So it's either you or Housey. Housey is Noda. Uh, I would have been keeping time by using our Muddy Waters Media brand egg timer, uh, but Matt Hicks bought it from me. Eggy, we love you, and we miss you. Please come home. In the meantime, I will be using a digital timer. Uh, gentlemen, this is a libertarian debate, and as such, we will not tolerate any violations of the non-aggression principle. Any such violations will be met with whatever level of defensive violence is necessary, up to and including nuclear weapons. As always, if you choose to strip naked during this debate, I will not be sharing any of the ad revenue. Uh, <laughs> Sam, uh, you're going to be arguing in favor of this statement. The mortgage interest deduction is an act of social engineering and distortive economic intervention by government let me get my timer out here we go uh let me see here so opening statements so i guess i guess we're gonna be giving i maybe i'll give an opening statement i don't know uh we will start with whomever is able that's not really fair because i know the answers to these i want i just want to know if you know (laughs) the answers to these we're going to use trivia to figure out uh who's going to go first but now i just want to figure i just want to know if you know the answer to this uh so I want to know if you're able to answer a very obscure trivia question. You will be given 30 seconds to answer. Good luck. Uh, the question is, which U.S. president previously served twice as an executioner? Good luck. As an executioner? Executioner. Um, I, I do not know. <laughs> Presumably somebody from either the... Uh, 18th or early 19th century executioner so you no no answer warren harding i have no no answer no it was grover cleveland grover Grover Cleveland. cleveland yeah grover cleveland uh and so okay so we have a i did anticipate that you may not know the answer to that and so i have a backup question uh, which is, and you have to get the closest answer, and then you you win. Good luck. What year did the Sultana sink? What year did the Sultana sink? The year of the sinking of the Sultana. Good luck. What's the Sultana? It's a it's a boat. You could a boat. Just, you could literally just say a number. You're losing audio now. Oh, good. <laughs> you could just you could just say a number, Sam. 1953. Okay, well, that is the closest guess that anyone has given, so you win. Uh, it's actually 1865. All right, sounds good. So you were not even remotely close, but that's okay. Um... All right, good. So, uh, so because we have lost TJ, uh, this debate is largely pointless. But you're already live, and so I'm going to milk this for everything <laughs> it's worth. Uh, so, you will be giving an opening statement now. You will have four minutes to give your statement. Uh, you will be arguing against mortgage interest deductions. So, whenever you are ready, go. Needless to say, this is not a topic that interests most people or that any libertarians, or virtually anybody else for that matter, spend any amount of time focusing on at all. However, it does actually have some important repercussions and is worthy of discussion, especially by libertarians who love to debate about things endlessly for no reason anyway. This actually does have an impact on the world and deserves our attention. As Spike said in the opening statement that I will be arguing for, or at least the statement of my position, the mortgage interest deduction is an act of social engineering by government ineffective at that but that is the effort nonetheless and it also distorts markets raises the price of housing is deeply regressive in how it affects the poor uh because everything in american society does it has racist implications to it and a lot more bad stuff. So we'll kind of take those one by one. First of all, the social engineering aspect. This is no conspiracy theory. This is pretty openly what the point of the mortgage interest deduction was in the first place, was kind of post-war, the government wanted to encourage home ownership because they thought that nuclear family units with you know one mother, one father, 
two and a half kids and a single family suburban home was the most effective and structured and positive way for society to be organized. So they wanted to encourage that lifestyle by making it, in theory, easier for people to own homes and make it cheaper for them to do so, so that more people could do it and that they could all be a nice little government-approved families. Now, on that measure, as if that's not disturbing enough from a libertarian perspective that government is encouraging a particular lifestyle and discouraging others, which that should be, you know, you should not like that. Um, it did not work anyway. If you look at home ownership rates of the United States where we do have a mortgage interest deduction compared to somewhere like Canada or the UK or much of other Western Europe, the home ownerships are virtually identical and being able to deduct our mortgage interest does not actually en encourage home ownership here any more than it does there not having it. So even if you believe that home home ownership is good and you have, have no problem with government socially engineering the way that we should all live our lives, it was not effective in that regard anyway. Now, the economics of it is that it actually raises the price of housing for everybody because if you are going to buy a house and you know that you are going to be able to deduct the cost of the interest that you are paying on your mortgage loan from your taxable income, you are going to spend more on a house than you would otherwise because the cost is artificially lowered by government picking a winner and loser and picking what you should be doing with your life. And so they are encouraging a particular kind of behavior, which makes it cheaper to engage in that behavior. However, because people are more willing to pay a higher price because they know that they'll get that deduction cut off later, that raises the price of housing for everybody, and that includes for renters as well. So it raises the price of rent, it raises the price of housing, it raises the price of land, and it generally distorts the market because of a specific action that government has undertaken. It is also extremely regressive in its effect. It benefits almost exclusively the highest income earners in the United States because that's who owns homes. And you're able to deduct up to $1 million off of it. I think that has recently been cut by the Trump administration, one of the very, very few th good things that he has actually done. However, it still exists and it benefits the highest income earners at the expense of the poor. And it's not just a thing of, I hear this argument from a lot of like ANCAP leaning libertarians often of, well, oh, you know, taxation is theft. So anytime we can reduce the amount of theft, that's good. And that's not really how it works when you look at it with any more than most simplistic view, because if you're artificially lowering taxes for one group of people, that's essentially raising them for everybody else if price or uh, if spending is held constant, which it is going to be. Just because they're earning less tax income does not mean the government is going to spend less. They're still spending the same Ten amount seconds. regardless. Ten seconds. You can interject if you want. I could probably go on for a long time, but... Let's have okay. some back and forth. Okay, cool. So uh, because, again, you are now the only participant, uh, a lot of how this was going to be structured makes little to no sense. Uh, so I'm going to be changing it, but I'm, I'm still having to go by how I have it structured. So I guess this is this is where I was going to have moderator questions. I guess this is going to be more back and forth discussion slash debate as opposed to me asking you a question and then asking someone else a question. I am Spike Cohen, and I am the moderator, and these are my questions. I will be asking a series of questions that are either critical of your argument or uh, examine it further, and you have as long as you want to. I mean, at this point, we're just talking between the two of us. Um, so this was my original question. Uh, I was originally, originally going to ask you a question that is critical to your argument. I was going to ask TJ one that was critical to his. Uh, it doesn't really make sense for me to ask the one that's critical to TJ's because it's basically what you just said. Um, so here's my question for you that's, that's critical to your argument. Uh, Sam, neither of us... I don't think want any kind of government distortion of the market. Uh, but we also don't live in a, in a vacuum or we don't live in a situation where we can, you know, perfectly pick and choose what kind of uh, uh, things happen within government, whether it's deductions or additional taxes or reductions in taxes. We kind of are often fighting for what we can get. 
considering the fact that we aren't able to just eliminate all taxation and you know transition to some kind of voluntary payment system uh, uh, or have a f- perfectly fair tax or regulatory system, isn't it good to fight for any kind of tax deduction that anyone can get with the idea that we just always keep pushing for fewer and fewer taxes and more and more deductions and just getting them whenever we can? And if not, why not? That's a very oversimplified view that doesn't take into account what libertarianism is actually fighting for, because it's not as simplistic as just taxes are bad, less taxes are good. When tax, when tax subsidy, it is a subsidy. If libertarians don't like subsidies, and it's, some people are dumb and don't think that tax subsidies count as subsidies, but I assure you that they do. When the government subsidizes something, that does distort the market and encourages specific kinds of behavior or specific industries at the expense of others. It is government picking winners and losers and interjecting itself into the market and preventing it from working as efficiently as it should. And that really should be a greater libertarian priority than just taxes are bad, is ensuring that the market can operate as it's supposed to, because we know that we we ought to all respect as libertarians that the market is a very efficient, effective way of achieving the best outcomes for society. But when government interjects itself into those markets and interferes with their natural course and their ability to function, we get worse outcomes for people. And really that should be what we're focused on is getting the best outcomes for people. Okay, fair enough. But I guess what I'm trying to say is would our time not be better spent on just pushing for So for example, um, well, actually I'm going to be addressing this in in another question. So we can go back to that. You would mention that uh, the original purpose, uh, and I, I didn't because I wasn't actually going to be debating this. I didn't, you know, vent any of this kind of stuff. But uh, you had said that the original purpose of the mortgage interest deduction was to try to encourage nuclear families to buy single-family homes in the post-war setting, and you know, when, with the whole baby boom going on and everything else, and that you know uh, that that was a type of social engineering. And it, assuming that that's true, you don't have to be a nuclear family or be purchasing a single-family home to get a mortgage or to, or to purchase a home. Um, you could, if you're a single non-binary person who chooses to, you know, get a, 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 you know, get a, a condo or a flat somewhere, you could also get a mortgage for that. Or if you wanted to, you know, whatever, if you want to be a polyamorous, you know, commune and purchase a, a tract of land out, you know, to, to, you know, have your mutual aid society in or whatever, you could do that as well. In light of that, is this still social engineering? And if so, why? It's still an encouraging. I mean, the things that you said are true. Yeah, those people could get a mortgage. But obviously, the the vast, like, 95-plus percent majority of people are getting a mortgage to get a house for their single family, which is fine. And I want to do that someday when I'm older, too. And that's fine. That's a perfectly valid decision that anybody can make. I have, like... I don't have a problem against single-family housing as a concept or if anybody wants to buy them. I have a problem with government encouraging one specific kind of behavior over others, and that behavior is home ownership and owning a single-family home, which is what the mortgage interest deduction was intended for in the first place, even though, like I said, it wasn't very effective at that anyway. Okay. But but even still, okay. So so yes, the fact is that in a heteronormative, mostly, well, you didn't even mention race, but in a in a in a society where the vast majority of people are heterosexual cishet people that are looking to create a family, and that like you even said, it's something you want to do. Is the fact that the majority of people is that not sustainable? How is that different from saying that, for example, we shouldn't have an you know earned income tax credit or you know, a, a lower income tax because the majority of people that are going to be using it are, you know, cishet heterosexual people who want to create a family. Basically, we shouldn't have have many kinds of uh, deductions at all. Like most deductions are a bad thing that are social engineering and distort markets. Like if we're if we are to have to have taxes, especially like an income tax, it should be pretty much flat across the board, not encouraging or discouraging any particular kind of behavior or subsidizing or punishing any particular industry. Okay, um, this and and you can tell me where I'm wrong. I know where you're going to tell me where I'm wrong, uh, but in not in application but in philosophy this feels in my mind 
in, in part, partially how you've uh, presented it as being similar to the the libertarian pro uh, immigration control argument in that it argues for additional government intrusion into something uh, in this case a tax uh, because of other infringements that are already in place such as you know zoning or, or uh, uh, you know other taxing you know, taxes and, and regulations that are in place that harm the poor uh, or you know try to create a middle class at the uh, at the uh, uh, at the expense of the poor. Um, again, wouldn't it be better just to push for deregulation in the housing market that would allow for lower income earners to purchase homes so that this wouldn't be as distortive and, and favoring of, of higher income earners and, and being less regressive? I mean, that's fine. And yeah, we should absolutely be calling for dezoning or at least upzoning anyway, but that's not really relevant to my position on this issue. It's that it is a market distortive tax, not just like the zoning thing really doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm not really sure where you got that from. But again, if, they, if you look at the economics of it, if you are incentivizing and subsidizing the co- or the affordability of housing by allowing people, like so if you go and, and do something else, if you go skydiving, go skydiving every week, go on skydiving trips every week, the government doesn't subsidize that behavior but it does subsidize home ownership, but that's just a particular, you know, behavior that or choice that some people make, and government subsidizes it by making the price artificially cheaper and not allowing the supply and demand, you know, the market system to function properly. It raises the price of housing because government is artificially lowering the cost of the interest on the mortgage loans. And another reason that that's a big problem economically is if you know, the subsidy isn't enough and interfering in the market is that it encourages very financially risky behavior because it encourages people to take out as large of a loan as they can and basically put down as little as they can. Right, or right, right. there's there's no we should if anything, if government was to subsidize a particular kind of behavior or choice, which it should not do, but if it was going to, it should be done in a way to subsidize putting the maximum amount down that people will be willing to do so that they'll be less likely to default on their loans and cause a housing crash like we saw in 2008. But what right. the mortgage interest deduction does is it encourage people to take out a larger mortgage loan because they know that they won't have to pay the interest on that or you know the, the interest payment will be subsidized on it anyway. Right. Okay. So, so your argument is essentially across the board that there shouldn't be these different carve outs for certain type of behaviors that it should essentially just be whatever the tax is should be kind of a flat across the board thing and that it shouldn't be trying to pick winners and losers in terms of what, uh, you know, what, what kind of, uh, uh, economic behaviors or, or, or actions are being taken, uh, you know, incentivizing them or de-incentivizing them. Yeah, exactly. That's a very standard libertarian point of view that government should not be in the business of encouraging or discouraging particular behaviors so as long as they don't harm anybody else. Okay, fair enough. So in the interest of for two reasons. First of all, in the interest that you that of of uh not com- because the person that was prepared to debate this uh their computer bricked and because I didn't really have time to, to really sink into debating what I don't necessarily disagree with uh, and haven't had time to really vet that out. Uh, in the interest of that, I think I'm going to uh, agree with you to the extent that the government shouldn't be uh, distorting things. And if we are able to reschedule this debate, then we can do that. I'm going to let you do uh, your... Um... Well, actually, no. So we have some... Uh... Well, I'll let you do your closing remarks because the rest of the the follower questions and the thing I want to talk to you about doesn't have anything to do with this. I'll let you give your closing remarks. You have. I mean, are there any audience questions about this issue uh, so far? Uh, not about this so far. Uh, no, I do have some follower. <laughs> Is anybody questions. watching at all? Oh yeah, yeah. No, we have people watching, and I definitely have some follower questions, but none of them are about this. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, so if you want, that's why I was saying, if you want to just give your closing remarks on this and then we'll get to the other stuff and we can, uh, we can do that. So whenever you are ready, you can give your, uh, you can give your closing statement. 
I mean, yeah, there are a few more things to mention of why the we should oppose the mortgage interest deduction anyway. I mean, I've gone through how it is social engineering, how it was ineffective social engineering. If you do happen to agree with that the purpose was good, it didn't work anyway. It raises the price for everybody else. It raises rent costs, which is most people's largest expense. So you're just taking money right out of people's wallets. Because it subsidizes one behavior, it, it inherently punishes others because the spending of government will remain the same and they're since they're losing all of this tax revenue from a particular group of people, they're just getting it from either others or adding it onto the debt, which is just taxing future generations. It is extremely regressive because this is a particular benefit that only people in the higher income brackets are able to take advantage of, while the renting class does not get to have this advantage. They must pay the full price for their housing, which, as I said earlier, is more expensive because of this. It is also... Like I said, this is going to sound hysterical because everybody thinks that, you know, bringing race into anything is hysterical, but it's, it is just a, a factual reality in America that racism infects almost every sector of society. And that deeply includes home ownership. If you look at home ownership rates between white or maybe Asian families and black or Latino families, the, there's a huge disparity in that. And there are literally, you could do a 12 part lecture series on why that is a lot of it has to do with you know jim crow laws and redlining and all things like that but th the fact of the matter is that black home ownership is tremendously lower so it, you could pretty much almost say that this is just a subsidy for white people because that's how home ownership cross you know cuts across society is it is overwhelmingly white people and maybe asian people who own homes not black people or latino people so that's you know, also a reason that we should oppose it. And like I said, it encourages very bad fiscal behavior that threatens the entire economy. We saw this in the 2008 housing bubble crash that was the greatest recession seen since the Great Depression. And this encourages that to happen again by, you know, incentivizing people to take out a larger loan than they can really afford because the cost of it is artificially lowered by a government subsidy. It, it you know, discourages people from doing the responsible thing and saving up a larger down payment. It, you know, you could put $5,000 down and get a $400,000 house and have a mortgage payment and you'll be okay with that because, oh, you know, my, you know, the interest on it, I can deduct from my taxable income. So why shouldn't I do that? Then when, you know, the payment is so high, if you lose your job or something like that, or, you know, anything else unexpected happens, you can't make that payment that, gives you you know significant chance to default on that loan and if people do that en masse that creates you know a very large problem for the american economy as we saw another bad thing about it is this is i guess more related to your zoning issue kind of that you brought up it's that you know just that again i have no problem with single family home ownership and i plan to be one so i don't want to you know i'm i don't want to appear hypocritical on this or anything but just still government it, government encouraging single family ownership is not good it, it should just if you want to do it on a free marketplace with all costs that would be naturally occurring in a free marketplace that's fine but when you're encouraging single family ownership that encourages you know the kind of thing that leads to urban sprawl which creates worse commuter times and more carbon pollution and less efficient use of land and more expensive rents and all of the rest of it and that's just the, there's a huge ripple effect from this issue that does not sound very interesting or exciting or sexy but it really does have quite an impact on society and there are numerous reasons that libertarians should oppose it and i'm sure that there are a lot of people you could get the argument from better than me i didn't prepare at all for this and i'm just you know kind of shooting from the hip and probably don't sound very well articulate articulated right weeks. now but you had two weeks yeah but i didn't prepare for it well next time you should you had two weeks i mean at least your computer works so for that reason yeah. if, if for no other reason so all right i guess the only thing i would add i'm not even sure this is a rebuttal and i'm not sure that you would even disagree with this uh if you were going to advocate for getting rid of the mortgage interest deduction uh i would recommend coupling it with what you would what tax reduction or deduction or whatever you would replace it with being something that's more uh across the board and i guess for lack of a better word egalitarian as opposed to just telling a bunch of homeowners you don't get to have your deduction anymore instead saying 
everyone would be able to get either this reduction or deduction or credit or whatever. That I mean, in a normative money. utopian sense, I, I don't even support an income tax at all. I think it no, should be no. abolished in its entirety in a, in a very long run kind of a sense. But hmm. in the short run, there should not be any you know particular behavior that government is encouraging or discouraging, however wide it cuts across society. Whether it's something that 90% of people do, they still should not be encouraging or discouraging that particular behavior because it still has all of the negative you know market impacting effects that i've mentioned here and everything so it's it's it i don't want to replace one bad policy with another bad policy that just happens to help more people than it currently does we just shouldn't have things like this special cutouts special carve outs that help particular industries and hurt other particular industries encourage specific behaviors and discourage others and distort the markets in the process we just should not have anything like that if we are going to you know want to lower people's taxes which i do we should be lowering taxes after we lower spending because lowering taxes without lowering spending is just increasing taxes on future generations okay fair enough so uh Okay, cool. So, uh, guys, you now get to decide who you thought won this debate. Do you think it was? Do you think that Sam won this debate? Do you think that TJ, who phone, whose computer bricked very early, do you think he won this debate by not being here, or do you think Housey won? Maybe you thought Housey won. I don't know. Um, so now that we've moved on, before we go to the follower uh, follower questions. Um, as you may or may not know, Sam and my lovely followers, uh, we had a very interesting thing happen earlier today where your very own Spike Cohen was on a uh, local news program. And uh, because we have the time for it, I'm going to go ahead and show that now. And I want to get your thoughts on this on this program, uh, Sam. So I'm going to put this on right If now. all goes well, this man could be on the ballot in November. Yeah, ABC Can you hear that? Dick no. Live the all right, good. Hold show on. Us I can see it, but I can't Yeah, yeah, no, I know. To deliver right. his message. They tell you they're riding ponies into a zombie-powered future. But an okay, all right. So we're going to start that over again. This is the, uh, this is, uh, my, this is my thing, and I'm going to get your thoughts on this. No. If all goes well, this man could be on the ballot in November. Yeah, ABC 15's Dick Papadonis is live in the studio to show us. I still can't hear it. You can't hear it. He's using to deliver his message. They oh, tell gosh. you they're riding ponies into a zombie-powered future, but an interview in Spike Cohen's living room has given him no, nothing at all. Political. I turned the volume up loud and still oh, nothing. Gosh. All right. Um, why can you not hear that? <laughs> If all goes well, this man could be on the ballot in November. Yeah, ABC 15's Dick Papadonis is live in the studio to Can show you hear us it now? the unconventional no. <laughs> strategy he's using to deliver his message. They tell you they're it? riding ponies into a zombie-powered future, but an interview in Spike Cohen's living room has given him a serious political platform. Are you recording? So you're, not, you're not hearing this. No. Well, that sucks. All right, um... Uh, Doug Crawl says Housey won the debate, but Spike won our hearts. So that's one for Housey, uh, but we'll see uh, who else gets it. So I'm going to go through some of these other questions that came in from uh, followers. Uh, number one, of course, whenever I have any question, uh, follower question session, this comes in. Uh, Sam, Waffle House or IHOP? I live in the Pacific Northwest and have never been to a Waffle House. <laughs> so that's the wrong answer. Uh, the answer is Waffle House. Um, so well, I, I, I'll give it to Waffle House anyway, though, because Waffle House seems like it has more kind of unique cultural value than IHOP. Like okay, Waffle well, then... House has like a distinct regional identity to it and kind of a culture about it. IHOP's literally just like a chain restaurant. So I'll give it to Waffle House anyway. Okay, good. That's the right answer. Uh, and then here was one that a follower asked, uh, are you voting for Spike for pre vice president and why not? Ouch. A absolutely not, no. Even if I get the nomination? Well, do you, well you come with a, as a package with Vermin, don't you? I mean, it, it just, I, I don't know how this is being asked. They just said, are you voting for Spike as vice president? 
So I guess you can take that however you want to. I mean, if it's a literal question, I'm not probably going to be there to vote anyway. So this would just have to be a kind of in spirit thing. And I, who else is even running for vice president? You're the only candidate I know of. Uh, so it was me and John Phillips Jr. and Jeff Wood. They but dropped then, out, right? Yeah, John Phillips and Kim Ruff dropped out, and Kim endorsed me, and John didn't endorse anyone because he's an LNC member and didn't want to be seen as showing favoritism. So it's me and Jeff Wood. I don't know who he is. Is he like a Mises guy, or is he like a Sarwark kind of guy? He is. He currently has the uh, nomination from the Socialist Caucus and the Audacious Caucus. No, thank you. <laughs> so then you support me. Among those choices, I support you, yeah. So would you vote for me in the general if I get the nomination? Like the general election against the Democrats and Republicans? Yes. Well, again, are you a package with vermin? Because I'm, I'm not just, voting for vermin. So you wouldn't vote for vermin uh, over Donald Trump and, say, Joe Biden? No. Okay, so assuming you're someone you would want as the president pick gets Amash. the nomination, and I get the VP pick, would you vote for me? I would, like... This is the answer that you want to hear, and it's not fun for your audience, but I would honestly hope that in the case that we actually got Justin Amash to run for president and he won our nomination, which he obviously would, I would hope that you would have the decency to step aside and have him kind of pick somebody that he wants as his running mate, because I think that you know that you would harm the ticket by not having any experience and being a goofball. You're a fun podcast host, but you are not qualified to be a vice presidential candidate especially next to somebody like justin amash you heard it here folks that is a full-on support for the vermin spike 2020 ticket from none other than sam coppinger of libertarian memes for neoliberal teens so th the next follower question was bound to be a real hootenanny but now tj's not here but i'll go ahead and get your thoughts on it and uh and then i guess we can because i think that was uh uh, oh, Stephen Messina, you have a new fan with Stephen Messina, uh, who says that you effing rule and that you, you have clearly not been to a Waffle House. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, so, yeah, so here's the last question, which I'm just going to let you answer it because, again, this was going to be a big debate question, but now it's not because it's just you. What are your thoughts on the Mises Caucus? <laughs> negative <laughs> like i i feel like most of the people who are watching probably already know me and probably already know my opinions of the is it mises or is it mises is it mises so my understanding is that it's mises i don't like that that sounds worse okay but... <laughs> well, that's how his name was said his name was ludwig von mises so you you hate it more because it's mises and not mises that's it's less uh satisfying i don't like the the sound of mises i like mises better but okay we'll say mises i do not like the mises caucus even though on actual policy i probably agree with them at least 90 percent. but there's a lot more to politics than just sheer policy positions and i have never really gotten a clear answer from anybody in the mises caucus even the ones who i think are the the less malicious members of it of what exactly its purpose is supposed to be because the actual policy positions of it are already shared by the libertarian party itself we it's already a very very radical capitalist party a very you know radical libertarian party and it, it shares virtually the exact same platform as the caucus does so that leaves the only differentiating factor being their kind of branding and strategy which is very clearly just to appeal to disaffected paleoconservatives in the alt-right that's just literally the only logical purpose of what it is for that's not you know a slander it's it's logically the only thing that it is there to accomplish because anything else that it, it could be distinguished by is already shared by the party itself that is the only differentiating factor between the libertarian party and the mises caucus is that the mises caucus uses branding that is appealing to the alt-right 
So then the fact that it's pronounced Mises doesn't inspire you to say that you love Mises to pieces? No, it doesn't. That's sad, Sam. I have heard that actual Mises himself is not nearly as bad as the caucus is, and that the caucus really, you know, has done him dirty by dragging his name through the mud, but, but the caucus and the Institute combined have, have really disgraced his legacy, but... Sam, I know you're young, but the thing is, you're going to learn soon that you have to find joy in things, and I think you missed out on a real opportunity with rhyming there. I'm not going to lie. I just think, I just think you really politics isn't enough. supposed to be about fun. Well, I disagree, and I think that's why I'm currently the front runner because that's yeah because you're you are the front runner because all of the other white boys in the libertarian party who don't actually care about politics and don't aren't affected by any kind of a policy one way or another don't have anything to lose by just voting for who they think is fun rather than who will actually make an impact on their lives kids in cages on the border don't have that that luxury okay but so now we're actually having a debate because I haven't just been going and having fun with white boys, uh, although that is largely what these conventions are about. But uh, I will say that, I mean, I've been going and doing tours in marginalized communities where I don't do the fun shtick and talk with them about the things that are affecting them, and it's been very well received. So, uh, I mean, I go in with a humorous attitude about it, but I I don't go in and and talk about cheesy bread or or badgers or anything like that. And it's been very well received because I'm going there and, and demonstrating an empathy that no other... Uh, party or candidate has shown in their in their community that the other ones are afraid to go there um so i i, I would dispute that uh i think that okay well uh, that's that how... that part that part's great but why do you do the badgers and cheesy bread the rest of the time because that the... just undermines everything that you're doing by reaching out to these marginalized communities because when you do the badger badgers and cheesy bread that just ensures that you won't actually accomplish any of the changes that you're asking these people you know that they want they they could tell you what you want. You could learn what they want. You can you know sit down with them and have a long discussion about what would help them. But you're not going to accomplish any of that if you're talking about badgers and cheesy bread to the general public. But you you say that, and yet I'm getting more engagement than any other candidate running. And that and and, and it, in the wake it, of among the libertarian in, in the wake of in the wake of John Phillips dropping out, no one else stepped in because apparently I've become the consensus candidate. And I'm as I will say I am as shocked as anyone else that I've become the consensus candidate apparently, but I have. And to say simultaneously, Oh, well it's just because people are enjoying that. And also, well, it's not going to get any results. It's gotten results. So if I'm able to, for the people that you say it hasn't, but as like any results within the libertarian party, primary system are absolutely meaninglessly insignificant. It's even among libertarians, there's maybe like 1% participating in any way, formal or informal, in this process. And that that's among libertarians who themselves are a statistically insignificant portion of the general public. What happens within the libertarian party has literally no impact or representation or significance whatsoever of the general public in, so then in attitudes that case, why... or results among candidates or policy positions or anything, nothing that libertarians do within the party has any relevance to the general public. Within the party in and of itself, no. But what, assuming if I got the nomination, then I would actually have an opportunity to reach out to people. And if you're if you're talking about, you know, if, if, if your response to that, because you, you made some valid points there, but if then if your response is that we need to nominate someone who is currently in trouble being able to possibly get reelected in his own home district, how is that somehow a substantive positive change of someone who in, in, in your, I guess, I assume in your mind is someone that's going to be making this, this amazing positive change. If the fact that Justin Amash uh, would not suck up to Trump is enough for him to not be able to possibly get reelected in his own district, what would make you think that he would be uh, 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 any more uh, uh, able to affect positive change on a cultural or societal level than someone like a vermin supreme who already is a, a household name among many people? For what I could dare guarantee you that more people know Justin Amash than Vermin Supreme. That's that's and actually factually incorrect. I mean, there's multiple Google I trend don't lines. Believe and everything. You. 
it's it's not even close actually i mean that the, the the recognition of of justin between justin amash and vermin supreme within political circles there's probably a slight number that know him better within general societal circles it's not even close i mean we've we've done my parents the, the, know who amash is they do not know who vermin supreme is your parents nobody over 30 knows who vermin supreme is and everyone, nobody under 30 votes well you're saying nobody under 30 votes and that's certainly not true but Everyone Obviously, under 30 it's knows an exaggeration, but I'll, the proportion of people under 30 who vote is dramatically lower than the proportion of people over 30 who vote. Is that more statistically acceptable for you? It, it is, but how much of that is because the options that they're being given are garbage to them and that they're, they see it's this the innately don't as a care. joke? And that's the same kind of people who support somebody like Vermin Supreme is the people who don't care. If they don't, they don't care, have why any, is he the front runner care, for the they Libertarian don't have Party? They don't they don't they don't stand a, they're not engaged and they just think it's funny. They don't know anything about politics. They you're, probably you're, okay, can't even name can't, all three Sam, branches of Sam, government Sam, and this is just Sam, like, oh, well, it's fun. It's one or the other. Either the people who like Vermin Supreme are completely unengaged and have nothing to do with it or the people who support Vermin Supreme are the hyper-engaged who are involved in the Libertarian Party uh, at, at a level that the vast majority of libertarians aren't which is it is it that he's the the hyper engaged like him or the unengaged like him the people who are engaged in the libertarian party are not engaged in national politics generally there's a very small crossover there the libertarian party is mostly a social club of people who do not feel that they belong in either party and that even includes me even though everybody thinks that i'm an establishment goon obviously there's a reason that i'm in this party and not the other two and that's because i do not feel that i belong in either of them and that's but that's who libertarians are as people who don't feel that they belong and the the amount the proportion of people in the libertarian party who even engage in national politics outside of the libertarian party is not very significant so you could be hyper engaged in the party and still disengage from national politics most of your supporters right now probably won't even vote you're you're that's patently false but the 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 people that are making up the Libertarian Party are hyper-engaged. They are largely ineffective because the party is so small. But they represent a group of people uh, they, that skew younger and skew more cerebral and skew more, you know, uh, disaffected by the, by the uh, disaffected and, and disengaged with the overall system because they see it as a joke. There is a whole demographic of people that could get us to five percent or even ten percent based just on people who innately know that the system is a joke and don't participate in it because of that and have no real idea that there's anything like a libertarian party that has any viable chance if you give them something that that you know if you give something that speaks to them on a on an innate level like for example this whole thing is a joke so we're going to give you the biggest clown and we're also now that you we got we've got your attention we're going to talk to you about what libertarianism is that has a much better chance than saying here is yet another retired republican who has no shot and we all know it and he's going to take one last tilt at the old windmill before retiring because you know he no longer represents uh what republicans you know currently believe and so he's going to use our party as a as a you know a step down to retirement and why would that be if if you're saying if you're surrendering that you know we're going to be ineffectual not be able to make any real change then why not go for you know a hail mary draft i'm not surrendering that you were the one surrendering that i am not surrendering that that's why i want to run qualified credible candidates who actually could if they were elected, do the job. When people, but the general public, when they, when they know attention. that somebody is not qualified to do the job, they're not going to vote for them to do that job. This group of disaffected 21-year-olds who you just want to vote because because you're fun or because, oh, it's just politics is a joke, that's not going to ever, ever, ever win an election. Literally, never, those people are not going to vote anyway. They don't vote now, they're not going to vote anyway, they're not significant, we shouldn't even be concerned about them. I'm not interested in even trying to appeal to those kinds of people. 
You're talking about 46% of voters. You of all people who are saying that, you know, there's all this uh, intrusion in the market by government that is marginalizing people for, 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 for you know, the benefit of, a, of, a, of a, a dwindling group of privileged people are saying that we should completely ignore the 40%, 46% of eligible voters, not to mention a large percentage of the, the 54% who do vote who are just voting because they're not even aware that there's a viable alternative, that we should just completely ignore them in favor of doing the strategy that for the last 50, almost 50 years has not gotten a single statewide or federal victory for the Libertarian Party, which is we're going to find the Libertarian some, Party has some never Republican followed the kind of strategy that I we're, want to pursue. We're going to find ever, a Republican, a Republican that. stooge if you to David uh, that, that, that's going to do the exact the same thing that every like other one has done before that. How is Justin Amash going to be a, a, a massive departure from a Gary Johnson? In, in what way is is yet another liberty leaning an Republican going to be any different? One, I reject the notion that Gary Johnson was a failure. He was absolutely blew out of the water our previous vote totals. He was by an immense margin the most successful candidate in libertarian history. Which is sad. But Justin Abosh can can piggyback on that because I love Gary, but we all know that he was goofy and he didn't speak well and he came across as uninformed, whether that was true or not. I I think he's a very smart person, but he is very, very poor at communicating that, whereas Justin Amash is not. He's extremely well-spoken. He doesn't act goofy. Nobody could say that he's unqualified, unknowledgeable, you know, non-credible. He is an extremely well-versed intellectual politician who everybody they're not knows say anything about him because they have no idea who he is and they're never going to hear about him how would a gary john so you just contradicted yourself you said that we needed serious candidates and the proof of that is gary johnson who had blew out as you said previous vote records but he blew it out being as you called him a goofy person who didn't speak well so which is it we need we we, we need a goofy it's person who doesn't speak both he was serious in that he had elected experience he was a two-term governor as was weld and he had credible elected experience his personality was unfortunately a weakness he's a he's a great person honestly that he is such a great person is part of why he was not more successful because you have to be kind of a jerk to succeed in politics but it's you can't say you you can't have it both way because it literally is both ways he was a serious candidate in that he had elected experience, but he was not as serious as he could have been because he isn't a good speaker and acts like a goofball. He got it is elected both simultaneously. as a goofball. He got elected as a potheady type goofball. So, I mean, that that's sort of... I mean, we can do this all day long, and I, I, I'm okay with agreeing to disagree with you, but I, I, I lovingly encourage you, Sam, to examine some of your precepts here in terms of what is considered respectable. I don't think respectable is this... Uh, you know, uh, uh, a late 20th century formal business uh, aesthetic combined with a a, a, a sober August uh, anchorman's tone. Uh, if it was, then we wouldn't have a bright orange president who speaks at a low growl and, and gold plates everything. Okay, and, and, let's, let's I mean, address that. But if you are in one of the two major parties, you can afford to deviate from that kind of norm you can you know aoc is nothing like that she's very loud and outspoken and posts memes on the internet and she has all this grassroots support and she you know claps back at people on twitter all the time and she could do that or trump you know, i don't need to even say anything about trump they are both in the two major parties they already have a base of 40 million supporters most of whom are going to vote for literally anybody of their party who is on the ballot we do not have that luxury the only way that we can appeal to people is by showing them that we are actually a credible third option and so that's the literally the most important possible thing that we can do is show that we are a valid credible qualified legitimate third option that is the absolute most important thing that the party could possibly do is portray us as a valid, credible option. And that means a comical level of of seriousness and credibility and well-spokenness. And it's not like when a Republican does something you know funny and silly that's like oh well, that's fun because that's not what you expect from them but that is what people expect from us and it's not it's not fun to see people that you think are goofy idiots acting like goofy idiots it's fun to see people who are normally well-spoken and serious and you know all 
put together and everything. It's fun to see those people act like goofy idiots when it's just the goofy idiot party. Nobody's impressed by us acting like goofy idiots. No one's impressed by us at all because they don't know we exist. Um, I, I, I will... Uh, I, I will I will leave you with that, um, and uh, I, I will also say that I think when when three point two five percent is is our blowout, I think after fifty years, uh, at this point the Republicans as a as a previous third party was already a dominant party, and I, I think we can we can possibly maybe deviate from the script. I will ask you this as your last question: uh, When Vermin and I do get the nomination, what are you going to name your pony? I'm not even going to answer that. But once again, you say deviate from the script. We have never run the script that I want to run. You keep acting like I want a continuation of the status quo of the Libertarian Party. Literally never before somewhat 2012 and 2016 have they done anything like what I would want us to do. Okay. We're going to do something radically different that Sam wants, which is to find a retired Republican who can't win their seat back because they went against the Republican orthodoxy. Um, we're going to name your pony Kipper. Because when people don't name their pony, we give them names that they otherwise wouldn't want. So, guys, thanks again for tuning in for this episode of uh, the Mortgage Interest Deduction Jam. Uh, we are sorry that it didn't actually happen. Uh, and we hope that next time we're going we're gonna to get TJ a uh, new... Uh, iPad or something uh, to try to get it to work right. Um, so, Sam, I'm going to give you one last chance to say you're going to vote for me. No, I'm going to give you one last chance to give whatever final thoughts you have uh, on whatever you want to talk about. Plug whatever you want for your show, and then we are going to uh, we're going to sign out. Sam, I give you the floor. Buy merch. Mortgage interest deduction is bad. We need to run credible candidates. That's the the gist of what's happened here. Agree, possibly wrong. Uh, Sam, thanks again for tuning in. You're always an absolute pleasure to have on. Stick around. I'm going to talk with you during the intro. Guys, thanks again for tuning in for this absolutely blessed mess of an episode. Uh, Actually, it went well. It was really the only problem was that TJ's thing stopped working. Uh, But, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, And now it's up to you again to decide who won this mortgage interest deduction jam. Was it Housey, the house? Was it Sam Coppinger, who was the only one who spoke? Or was it TJ, who, like Housey, just watched? Uh, So, guys, thanks again. for. uh, Be sure to comment with who you thought won, and we will release the winner tomorrow night. Uh, Also, be sure to tune in next week, Tuesday night, at 8 Eastern for the Muddied Waters of Freedom where Matt Wright and I will parse through the week's events with the cheer and aplomb of the sweet winter wonder boys that we are. Also, next week, I will not be having an episode of My Fellow Americans. I will be getting ready for my New Hampshire primary tour with the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign. And we will be going live multiple times the following week during the New Hampshire primary as we will be trolling the entire process on our way to becoming Sam's pick for president and vice president of these United States. Sam, by saying nothing, has acknowledged this. Guys, thanks again for tuning in. We will see you next week, and God bless you.
put a cease to the crimes, put an ease to the minds like mine. Sometimes darkness is all I find. You know what they say about an eye for an eye and a time with the blind be the blind. Who am I to deny? I would cry when a loved one dies. I recognize that body outside with a hole in the body that was alive. Now they find me with chalk outline. Find out how, but you never know why. It ain't even make it to the news at night. It ain't even make it to the news at night. That's my sister, mother, father, brother, son. That's one of mine. All these tears, I close my eyes. Open up the only find. I'm in line. There's a pointless murder happening all the time. Thank you.